Section 28 of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rome by Emil Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. Chapter 14, Part 2. Leo XIII made no reply. He had again raised his superb eyes, those eyes of ardent life set, as it were, in the motionless countenance of an alabaster idol and once more he was fixedly gazing at the young priest and pierre amidst his returning feverishness seemed to behold him growing in power and splendour whilst behind him arose a vision of the ages a vision of that long line of popes whom the young priest had previously evoked the saintly and the proud ones the warriors and the ascetics the theologians and the diplomatists those who had worn armour those who had conquered by the cross those who had disposed of empires as of mere provinces which god had committed to their charge and in particular pierre beheld the great gregory the conqueror and founder and sixtus v the negotiator and politician who had first foreseen the eventual victory of the papacy over all the vanquished monarchies ah what a throng of magnificent princes of sovereign masters with powerful brains and arms there was behind that pale motionless old man what an accumulation of inexhaustible determination stubborn genius and boundless domination the whole history of human ambition the whole effort of the ages to subject the nations to the pride of one man the greatest force that has ever conquered exploited and fashioned mankind in the name of its happiness and even now when territorial sovereignty had come to an end how great was the spiritual sovereignty of that pale and slender old man in whose presence women fainted as if overcome by the divine splendour radiating from his person not only did all the resounding glories the masterful triumphs of history spread out behind him but heaven opened the very spheres beyond life shone out in their dazzling mystery he the pope stood at the portals of heaven holding the keys and opening those portals to human souls all the ancient symbolism was revived freed at last from the stains of royalty here below oh i beg you holy father resumed pierre if an example be needed strike none other than myself i have come and am here decide my fate but do not aggravate my punishment by filling me with remorse at having brought condemnation on the innocent leo thirteen still refrained from replying though he continued to look at the young priest with burning eyes and he pierre no longer beheld leo thirteen the last of a long line of popes the vicar of jesus christ the successor of the prince of the apostles the supreme pontiff of the universal church patriarch of the east primate of italy archbishop and metropolitan of the roman province sovereign of the temporal domains of the holy church he saw the leo thirteen that he had dreamt of the awaited saviour who would dispel the frightful cataclysm in which rotten society was sinking he beheld him with his supple lofty intelligence and fraternal conciliatory tactics avoiding friction and labouring to bring about unity whilst with his heart overflowing with love he went straight to the hearts of the multitude again giving the best of his blood in sign of the new alliance he raised him aloft as the sole remaining moral authority the sole possible bond of charity and peace as the father in fact who alone could stamp out injustice among his children destroy misery and re-establish the liberating law of work by bringing the nations back to the faith of the primitive church the gentleness and the wisdom of the true christian community and in the deep silence of that room the great figure which he thus set up assumed invincible all-powerfulness extraordinary majesty oh i beseech you holy father listen to me he said 
do not even strike me strike no one neither a being nor a thing anything that can suffer under the sun show kindness and indulgence to all show all the kindness and indulgence which the sight of the world's sufferings must have set in you and then seeing that leo thirteen still remained silent and still left him standing there he sank down upon his knees as if felled by the growing emotion which rendered his heart so heavy and within him there was a sort of debacle all his doubts all his anguish and sadness burst forth in an irresistible stream there was the memory of the frightful day that he had just spent the tragic death of dario and benedetta which weighed on him like lead there were all the sufferings that he had experienced since his arrival in rome the destruction of his illusions the wounds dealt to his delicacy the buffets with which men and things had responded to his young enthusiasm and lying yet more deeply within his heart there was the sum total of human wretchedness the thought of famished ones howling for food of mothers whose breasts were drained and who sobbed while kissing their hungry babes of fathers without work who clenched their fists and revolted indeed the whole of that hateful misery which is as old as mankind itself which has preyed upon mankind since its earliest hour and which he now had everywhere found increasing in horror and havoc without a gleam of hope that it would ever be healed and withal yet more immense and more incurable he felt within him a nameless sorrow to which he could assign no precise cause or name an universal an illimitable sorrow with which he melted despairingly and which was perhaps the very sorrow of life o holy father he exclaimed i myself have no existence and my book has no existence i desired passionately desired to see your holiness that i might explain and defend myself but i no longer know i can no longer recall a single one of the things that i wished to say i can only weep weep the tears which are stifling me yes i am but a poor man and the only need i feel is to speak to you of the poor oh the poor ones oh the lowly ones whom for two years past i have seen in our faubourgs of paris so wretched and so full of pain the poor little children that i have picked out of the snow the poor little angels who had eaten nothing for two days the women too consumed by consumption without bread or fire shivering in filthy hovels and the men thrown on the streets by slackness of trade weary of begging for work as one begs for arms sinking back into night drunken with rage and harbouring the sole avenging thought of setting the whole city afire and that night too that terrible night when in a room of horror i beheld a mother who had just killed herself with her five little ones she lying on a palliasse suckling her last-born and two little girls two pretty little blondes sleeping the last sleep beside her while the two boys had succumbed farther away one of them crouching against a wall and the other lying upon the floor distorted as though by a last effort to avoid death oh holy father i am but an ambassador the messenger of those who suffer and who sob the humble delegate of the humble ones who die of want beneath the hateful harshness the frightful injustice of our present-day social system and i bring your holiness their tears and i lay their tortures at your holiness's feet i raise their cry of woe like a cry from the abyss that cry which demands justice unless indeed the very heavens are to fall oh show your loving-kindness holy father show compassion the young man had stretched out his arms and implored leo thirteen with a gesture as of supreme appeal to the divine compassion then he continued and here holy father in this splendid and eternal rome is not the want and misery as frightful during the weeks that i have roamed hither and thither among the dust of famous ruins i have never ceased to come in contact with evils which demand cure 
ah to think of all that is crumbling all that is expiring the agony of so much glory the fearful sadness of a world which is dying of exhaustion and hunger yonder under your holiness's windows have i not seen a district of horrors a district of unfinished palaces stricken like rickety children who cannot attain to full growth palaces which are already in ruins and have become places of refuge for all the woeful misery of rome and here as in paris what a suffering multitude what a shameless exhibition too of the social sore the devouring cancer openly tolerated and displayed in utter heedlessness there are whole families leading idle and hungry lives in the splendid sunlight fathers waiting for work to fall to them from heaven sons listlessly spending their days asleep on the dry grass mothers and daughters withered before their time shuffling about in loquacious idleness o holy father already to-morrow at dawn may your holiness open that window yonder and with your benediction awaken that great childish people which still slumbers in ignorance and poverty may your holiness give it the soul it lacks a soul with the consciousness of human dignity of the necessary law of work of free and fraternal life regulated by justice only yes may your holiness make a people out of that heap of wretches whose excuse lies in all their bodily suffering and mental night who live like the beasts that go by and die never knowing nor understanding yet ever lashed onward with the whip pierre's sobs were gradually choking him and it was only the impulse of his passion which still enabled him to speak and holy father he continued is it not to you that i ought to address myself in the name of all these wretched ones are you not the father and is it not before the father that the messenger of the poor and the lowly should kneel as i am kneeling now and is it not to the father that he should bring the huge burden of their sorrows and ask for pity and help and justice yes particularly for justice and since you are the father throw the doors wide open so that all may enter even the humblest of your children the faithful the chance passers even the rebellious ones and those who have gone astray but who will perhaps enter and whom you will save from the errors of abandonment be as the house of refuge on the dangerous road the loving greeter of the wayfarer the lamp of hospitality which ever burns and is seen afar off and saves one in the storm and since o oh father you are power to be salvation also you can do all you have centuries of domination behind you you have nowadays risen to a moral authority which has rendered you the arbiter of the world you are there before me like the very majesty of the sun which illumines and fructifies oh be the star of kindness and charity be the redeemer take in hand once more the purpose of jesus which has been perverted by being left in the hands of the rich and the powerful who have ended by transforming the work of the gospel into the most hateful of all monuments of pride and tyranny and since the work has been spoilt take it in hand begin it afresh place yourself on the side of the little ones the lowly ones the poor ones and bring them back to the peace the fraternity and the justice of the original christian communion and say o oh father that i have understood you that i have sincerely expressed in this respect your most cherished ideas the sole living desire of your reign the rest oh the rest my book myself what matter they i do not defend myself i only seek your glory and the happiness of mankind say that from the depths of this vatican you have heard the rending of our corrupt modern societies say that you have quivered with loving pity say that you desire to prevent the awful impending catastrophe by recalling the gospel to the hearts of your children who are stricken with madness and by bringing them back to the age of simplicity and purity when the first christians lived together in innocent brotherhood yes it is for that reason is it not that you have placed yourself father on the side of the poor 
and for that reason i am here and entreat you for pity and kindness and justice with my whole soul then the young man gave way beneath his emotion and fell all of a heap upon the floor amidst a rush of sobs loud endless sobs which flowed forth in billows coming as it were not only from himself but from all the wretched from the whole world in whose veins sorrow coursed mingled with the very blood of life he was there as the ambassador of suffering as he had said and indeed at the foot of that mute and motionless pope he was like the personification of the whole of human woe leo thirteen who was extremely fond of talking and could only listen to others with an effort had twice raised one of his pallid hands to interrupt the young priest then gradually overcome by astonishment touched by emotion himself he had allowed him to continue to go on to the end of his outburst a little blood even had suffused the snowy whiteness of the pontiff's face whilst his eyes shone out yet more brilliantly and as soon as he saw the young man speechless at his feet shaken by those sobs which seemed to be wrenching away his heart he became anxious and leant forward calm yourself my son raise yourself he said but the sobs still continued still flowed forth all reason and respect being swept away amidst that distracted plaint of a wounded soul that moan of suffering dying flesh raise yourself my son it is not proper repeated leo thirteen there take that chair and with a gesture of authority he at last invited the young man to sit down pierre rose with pain and at once seated himself in order that he might not fall he brushed his hair back from his forehead and wiped his scalding tears away with his hands unable to understand what had just happened but striving to regain his self-possession you appeal to the holy father said leo thirteen ah rest assured that his heart is full of pity and affection for those who are unfortunate but that is not the point it is our holy religion which is in question i have read your book a bad book i tell you so at once the most dangerous and culpable of books precisely on account of its qualities the pages in which i myself felt interested yes i was often fascinated i should not have continued my perusal had i not felt carried away transported by the ardent breath of your faith and enthusiasm the subject new rome is such a beautiful one and impassions me so much and certainly there is a book to be written under that title but in a very different spirit to yours you think that you have understood me my son that you have so penetrated yourself with my writings and actions that you simply express my most cherished ideas but no no you have not understood me and that is why i desired to see you explain things to you and convince you it was now pierre who sat listening mute and motionless yet he had only come thither to defend himself for three months past he had been feverishly desiring this interview preparing his arguments and feeling confident of victory and now although he heard his book spoken of as dangerous and culpable he did not protest did not reply with any one of those good reasons which he had deemed so irresistible but the fact was that intense weariness had come upon him the appeal that he had made the tears that he had shed had left him utterly exhausted by and by however he would be brave and would say what he had resolved to say people do not understand me do not understand me resumed leo thirteen with an air of impatient irritation it is incredible what trouble i have to make myself understood in france especially take the temporal power for instance how can you have fancied that the holy see would ever enter into any compromise on that question 
such language is unworthy of a priest it is the chimerical dream of one who is ignorant of the conditions in which the papacy has hitherto lived and in which it must still live if it does not desire to disappear cannot you see the sophistry of your argument that the church becomes the loftier the more it frees itself from the cares of terrestrial sovereignty a purely spiritual royalty a sway of charity and love indeed tis a fine imaginative idea but who will ensure us respect who will grant us the arms of a stone on which to rest our head if we are ever driven forth and forced to roam the highways who will guarantee our independence when we are at the mercy of every state no no this soil of rome is ours we have inherited it from the long line of our ancestors and it is the indestructible eternal soil on which the church is built so that any relinquishment would mean the downfall of the holy catholic apostolic and roman church and moreover we could not relinquish it we are bound by our oath to god and man he paused for a moment to allow pierre to answer him but the latter to his stupefaction could say nothing for he perceived that this pope spoke as he was bound to speak all the heavy mysterious things which had weighed the young priest down whilst he was waiting in the anteroom now became more and more clearly defined they were indeed the things which he had seen and learnt since his arrival in rome the disillusions the rebuffs which he had experienced all the many points of difference between existing reality and imagination whereby his dream of a return to primitive christianity was already half shattered and in particular he remembered the hour which he had spent on the dome of st peter's when in presence of the old city of glory so stubbornly clinging to its purple he had realized that he was an imbecile with his idea of a purely spiritual pope he had that day fled from the furious shouts of the pilgrims acclaiming the pope king he had only accepted the necessity for money that last form of servitude still binding the pope to earth but all had crumbled afterwards when he had beheld the real rome the ancient city of pride and domination where the papacy can never be complete without the temporal power too many bonds dogma tradition environment the very soil itself rendered the church forever immutable it was only in appearances that she could make concessions and a time would even arrive when her concessions would cease in presence of the impossibility of going any further without committing suicide if his pierre's dream of a new rome were ever to be realized it would only be far away from ancient rome only in some distant region could the new christianity arise for catholicism was bound to die on the spot when the last of the popes riveted to that land of ruins should disappear beneath the falling dome of st peter's which would fall as surely as the temple of jupiter had fallen and as for that pope of the present day though he might have no kingdom though age might have made him weak and fragile though his bloodless pallor might be that of some ancient idol of wax he none the less flared with the red passion for universal sovereignty he was none the less the stubborn scion of his ancestry the pontifex maximus the caesar imperator in whose veins flowed the blood of augustus master of the world you must be fully aware resumed leo thirteen of the ardent desire for unity which has always possessed us we were very happy on the day when we unified the right by imposing the roman rites throughout the whole catholic world this is one of our most cherished victories for it can do much to uphold our authority and i hope that our efforts in the east will end by bringing our dear brethren of the dissident communions back to us in the same way as i do not despair of convincing the anglican sects 
without speaking of the other so-called protestant sects who will be compelled to return to the bosom of the only church the catholic apostolic and roman church when the times predicted by the christ shall be accomplished but a thing which you did not say in your book is that the church can relinquish nothing whatever of dogma on the contrary you seem to fancy that an agreement might be effected concessions made on either side and that my son is a culpable thought such language as a priest cannot use without being guilty of a crime no the truth is absolute not a stone of the edifice shall be changed oh in matters of form we will do whatever may be asked we are ready to adopt the most conciliatory courses if it be only a question of turning certain difficulties and weighing expressions in order to facilitate agreement again there is the part we have taken in contemporary socialism and here too it is necessary that we should be understood those whom you so well called the disinherited of the world are certainly the object of our solicitude if socialism be simply a desire for justice and a constant determination to come to the help of the weak and the suffering who can claim to give more thought to the matter and work with more energy than ourselves has not the church always been the mother of the afflicted the helper and benefactress of the poor we are for all reasonable progress we admit all new social forms which will promote peace and fraternity only we can but condemn that socialism which begins by driving away god as a means of ensuring the happiness of mankind therein lies simple savagery an abominable relapse into the primitive state in which there can only be catastrophe conflagration and massacre and that again is a point on which you have not laid sufficient stress for you have not shown in your book that there can be no progress outside the pale of the church that she is really the only initiatory and guiding power to whom one may surrender oneself without fear indeed and in this again you have sinned it seemed to me as if you set god on one side as if for you religion lay solely in a certain bent of the soul a florescence of love and charity which sufficed one to work one's salvation but that is execrable heresy god is ever present master of souls and bodies and religion remains the bond the law the very governing power of mankind apart from which there can only be barbarism in this world and damnation in the next and once again forms are of no importance it is sufficient that dogma should remain thus our adhesion to the french republic proves that we in no wise mean to link the fate of religion to that of any form of government however august and ancient the latter may be dynasties may have done their time but god is eternal kings may perish but god lives and moreover there is nothing anti-christian in the republican form of government indeed on the contrary it would seem like an awakening of that christian commonwealth to which you have referred in some really charming pages the worst is that liberty at once becomes license and that our desire for conciliation is often very badly requited but ah what a wicked book you have written my son with the best intentions i am willing to believe it and how your silence shows that you are beginning to recognize the disastrous consequences of your error pierre still remained silent overcome feeling as if his arguments would fall against some deaf blind and impenetrable rock which it was useless to assail since nothing could enter it and only one thing now preoccupied him he wondered how it was that a man of such intelligence and such ambition had not formed a more distinct and exact idea of the modern world he could divine that the pope possessed much information and carried the map of christendom with many of the needs deeds and hopes of the nations in his mind amidst his complicated diplomatic enterprises but at the same time what gaps there were in his knowledge the truth no doubt was that his personal acquaintance with the world was confined to his brief nunciature at brussels 
during his occupation of the sea of perugia which had followed he had only mingled with the dawning life of young italy and for eighteen years now he had been shut up in the vatican isolated from the rest of mankind and communicating with the nation solely through his entourage which was often most unintelligent most mendacious and most treacherous moreover he was an italian priest a superstitious and despotic high pontiff bound by tradition subjected to the influences of race environment pecuniary considerations and political necessities not to speak of his great pride the conviction that he ought to be implicitly obeyed in all things as the one sole legitimate power upon earth therein lay fatal causes of mental deformity of errors and gaps in his extraordinary brain though the latter certainly possessed many admirable qualities quickness of comprehension and patient stubbornness of will and strength to draw conclusions and act of all his powers however that of intuition was certainly the most wonderful for was it not this alone which owing to his voluntary imprisonment enabled him to divine the vast evolution of humanity at the present day he was thus keenly conscious of the dangers surrounding him of the rising tide of democracy and the boundless ocean of science which threatened to submerge the little islet where the dome of st peter's yet triumphed and the object of all his policy of all his labour was to conquer so that he might reign if he desired the unity of the church it was in order that the latter might become strong and inexpugnable in the contest which he foresaw if he preached conciliation granting concessions in matters of form tolerating audacious actions on the part of american bishops it was because he deeply and secretly feared the dislocation of the church some sudden schism which might hasten disaster and this fear explained his returning affection for the people the concern which he displayed respecting socialism and the christian solution which he offered to the woes of earthly life as caesar was stricken low was not the long contest for possession of the people over and would not the people the great silent multitude speak out and give itself to him the pope he had begun experiments with france forsaking the lost cause of the monarchy and recognizing the republic which he hoped might prove strong and victorious for in spite of everything france remained the eldest daughter of the church the only catholic nation which yet possessed sufficient strength to restore the temporal power at some propitious moment and briefly leo's desire was to reign to reign by the support of france since it seemed impossible to do so by the support of germany to reign by the support of the people since the people was now becoming the master the bestower of thrones to reign by means even of an italian republic if only that republic could wrest rome from the house of savoy and restore her to him a federal republic which would make him president of the united states of italy pending the time when he should be president of the united states of europe to reign in spite of everybody and everything such was his ambition to reign over the world even as augustus had reigned augustus whose devouring blood alone upheld this expiring old man yet so stubbornly clinging to power and another crime of yours my son resumed leo thirteen is that you have dared to ask for a new religion that is impious blasphemous sacrilegious there is but one religion in the world our holy catholic apostolic and roman religion apart from which there can be but darkness and damnation i quite understand that what you mean to imply is a return to early christianity but the error of so-called protestantism so culpable and so deplorable in its consequences never had any other pretext as soon as one departs from the strict observance of dogma and absolute respect for tradition one sinks into the most frightful precipices ah schism schism my son is a crime beyond forgiveness 
an assassination of the true god a device of the loathsome beast of temptation which hell sends into the world to work the ruin of the faithful if your book contained nothing beyond those words a new religion it would be necessary to destroy and burn it like so much poison fatal in its effects upon the human soul he continued at length on this subject while pierre recalled what don vigilio had told him of those all-powerful jesuits who at the vatican as elsewhere remained in the background secretly but none the less decisively governing the church was it true then that this pope whose opportunistic tendencies were so freely displayed was one of them a mere docile instrument in their hands though he fancied himself penetrated with the doctrines of st thomas aquinas in any case like them he compounded with the century made approaches to the world and was willing to flatter it in order that he might possess it never before had pierre so cruelly realized that the church was now so reduced that she could only live by dint of concessions and diplomacy and he could at last distinctly picture that roman clergy which at first is so difficult of comprehension to a french priest that government of the church represented by the pope the cardinals and the prelates whom the deity has appointed to govern and administer his mundane possessions mankind and the earth they begin by setting that very deity on one side in the depths of the tabernacle and impose whatever dogmas they please as so many essential truths that the deity exists is evident since they govern in his name which is sufficient for everything and being by virtue of their charge the masters if they consent to sign covenants concordats it is only as matters of form they do not observe them and never yield to anything but force always reserving the principle of their absolute sovereignty which must some day finally triumph pending that day's arrival they act as diplomatists slowly carrying on their work of conquest as the deity's functionaries and religion is but the public homage which they pay to the deity and which they organize with all the pomp and magnificence that is likely to influence the multitude their only object is to enrapture and conquer mankind in order that the latter may submit to the rule of the deity that is the rule of themselves since they are the deity's visible representatives expressly delegated to govern the world in a word they straightway descend from roman law they are still but the offspring of the old pagan soil of rome and if they have lasted until now and if they rely on lasting forever until the awaited hour when the empire of the world shall be restored to them it is because they are the direct heirs of the purple-robed caesars the uninterrupted and living progeny of the blood of augustus and thereupon pierre felt ashamed of his tears ah those poor nerves of his that outburst of sentiment and enthusiasm to which he had given way his very modesty was appalled for he felt as if he had exhibited his soul in utter nakedness and so uselessly too in that room where nothing similar had ever been said before and in presence of that pontiff king who could not understand him his plan of the pope's reigning by means of the poor and lowly now horrified him his idea of the papacy going to the people at last rid of its former masters seemed to him a suggestion worthy of a wolf for if the papacy should go to the people it would only be to prey upon it as the others had done and really he pierre must have been mad when he had imagined that a roman prelate a cardinal a pope was capable of admitting a return to the christian commonwealth a fresh florescence of primitive christianity to pacify the aged nations whom hatred consumed such a conception indeed was beyond the comprehension of men who for centuries had regarded themselves as masters of the world so heedless and disdainful of the lowly and the suffering that they had at last become altogether incapable of either love or charity 
leo thirteen however was still holding forth in his full unwearying voice and the young priest heard him saying why did you write that page on lourdes which shows such a thoroughly bad spirit lourdes my son has rendered great services to religion to the persons who have come and told me of the touching miracles which are witnessed at the grotto almost daily i have often expressed my desire to see those miracles confirmed proved by the most rigorous scientific tests and indeed according to what i have read i do not think that the most evilly disposed minds can entertain any further doubt on the matter for the miracles are proved scientifically in the most irrefutable manner science my son must be god's servant it can do nothing against him it is only by his grace that it arrives at the truth all the solutions which people nowadays pretend to discover and which seemingly destroy dogma will some day be recognized as false for god's truth will remain victorious when the time shall be accomplished that is a very simple certainty known even to little children and it would suffice for the peace and salvation of mankind if mankind would content itself with it and be convinced my son that faith and reason are not incompatible have we not got st thomas who foresaw everything explained everything regulated everything your faith has been shaken by the onslaught of the spirit of examination you have known trouble and anguish which heaven has been pleased to spare our priests in this land of ancient belief this city of rome which the blood of so many martyrs has sanctified however we have no fear of the spirit of examination study st thomas read him thoroughly and your faith will return definitive and triumphant firmer than ever these remarks caused pierre as much dismay as if fragments of the celestial vault were raining on his head o god of truth miracles the miracles of lourdes proved scientifically faith in the dogmas compatible with reason and the writings of st thomas aquinas sufficient to instil certainty into the minds of this present generation how could one answer that and indeed why answer it at all yes yours is a most culpable and dangerous book concluded leo thirteen its very title new rome is mendacious and poisonous and the work is the more to be condemned as it offers every fascination of style every perversion of generous fancy briefly it is such a book that a priest if he conceived it in an hour of error can have no other duty than that of burning it in public with the very hand which traced the pages of error and scandal all at once pierre rose up erect he was about to exclaim tis true i had lost my faith but i thought i had found it again in the compassion which the woes of the world set in my heart you were my last hope the awaited saviour but behold that again is a dream you cannot take the work of jesus in hand once more and pacify mankind so as to avert the frightful fratricidal war which is preparing you cannot leave your throne and come along the roads with the poor and the humble to carry out the supreme work of fraternity well it is all over with you your vatican and your st peter's all is falling before the onslaught of the rising multitude and growing science you no longer exist there are only ruins and remnants left here however he did not speak those words he simply bowed and said holy father i make my submission and reprobate my book and as he thus replied his voice trembled with disgust and his open hands made a gesture of surrender as though he were yielding up his soul the words he had chosen were precisely those of the required formula auctor laudabiliter se subjecit et opus reprobavit the author has laudably made his submission and reprobated his work no error could have been confessed no hope could have accomplished self-destruction with loftier despair more sovereign grandeur 
but what frightful irony that book which he had sworn never to withdraw and for whose triumph he had fought so passionately and which he himself now denied and suppressed not because he deemed it guilty but because he had just realized that it was as futile as chimerical as a lover's desire a poet's dream ah yes since he had been mistaken since he had merely dreamed since he had found there neither the deity nor the priest that he had desired for the happiness of mankind why should he obstinately cling to the illusion of an awakening which was impossible twere better to fling his book on the ground like a dead leaf better to deny it better to cut it away like a dead limb that could serve no purpose whatever somewhat surprised by such a prompt victory leo thirteen raised a slight exclamation of content that is well said my son that is well said you have spoken the only words that can become a priest and in his evident satisfaction he who left nothing to chance who carefully prepared each of his audiences deciding beforehand what words he would say what gestures even he would make unbent somewhat and displayed real bonhomie unable to understand mistaking the real motives of this rebellious priest's submission he tasted positive delight in having so easily reduced him to silence the more so as report had stated the young man to be a terrible revolutionary and thus his holiness felt quite proud of such a conversion moreover my son he said i did not expect less of one of your distinguished mind there can be no loftier enjoyment than that of owning one's error doing penance and submitting he had again taken the glass off the little table beside him and was stirring the last spoonful of syrup before drinking it and pierre was amazed at again finding him as he had found him at the outset shrunken bereft of sovereign majesty and simply suggestive of some aged bourgeois drinking his glass of sugared water before getting into bed it was as if after growing and radiating like a planet ascending to the zenith he had again sunk to the level of the soil in all human mediocrity again did pierre find him puny and fragile with the slender neck of a little sick bird and all those marks of senile ugliness which rendered him so exacting with regard to his portraits whether they were oil paintings or photographs gold medals or marble busts for of one and the other he would say that the artist must not portray papa pecci but leo thirteen the great pope of whom he desired to leave such a lofty image to posterity and pierre after momentarily ceasing to see them was again embarrassed by the handkerchief which lay on the pope's lap and the dirty cassock soiled by snuff his only feelings now were affectionate pity for such white old age deep admiration for the stubborn power of life which had found a refuge in those dark black eyes and respectful deference such as became a worker for that large brain which harboured such vast projects and overflowed with such innumerable ideas and actions the audience was over and the young man bowed low i thank your holiness for having deigned to give me such a fatherly reception he said however leo thirteen detained him for a moment longer speaking to him of france and expressing his sincere desire to see her prosperous calm and strong for the greater advantage of the church and pierre during that last moment had a singular vision a strange haunting fancy as he gazed at the holy father's ivory brow and thought of his great age and of his liability to be carried off by the slightest chill he involuntarily recalled the scene instinct with a fierce grandeur which is witnessed each time a pope dies he recalled pius the ninth giovanni mastai two hours after death his face covered by a white linen cloth while the pontifical family surrounded him in dismay and then cardinal pecci the camerlingo approaching the bed drawing aside the veil and dealing three taps with his silver hammer on the forehead of the deceased 
repeating at each tap the call giovanni 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 and as the corpse made no response turning after an interval of a few seconds and saying the pope is dead and at the same time yonder in the via giulia pierre pictured cardinal boccanera the present camerlingo awaiting his turn with his silver hammer and he imagined leo thirteen otherwise joachino pecci dead like his predecessor his face covered by a white linen cloth and his corpse surrounded by his prelates in that very room and he saw the camerlingo approach draw the veil aside and tap the ivory forehead each time repeating the call joachino 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 then as the corpse did not answer he waited for a few seconds and turned and said the pope is dead did leo thirteen remember how he had thrice tapped the forehead of pius the ninth and did he ever feel on the brow an icy dread of the silver hammer with which he had armed his own camerlingo the man whom he knew to be his implacable adversary cardinal boccanera go in peace my son at last said his holiness by way of parting benediction your transgression will be forgiven you since you have confessed and testify your horror for it with distressful spirit accepting humiliation as well-deserved chastisement for his chimerical fancies pierre retired stepping backwards according to the customary ceremonial he made three deep bows and crossed the threshold without turning followed by the black eyes of leo thirteen which never left him still he saw the pope stretch his arm towards the table to take up the newspaper which he had been reading prior to the audience for leo retained a great fancy for newspapers and was very inquisitive as to news though in the isolation in which he lived he frequently made mistakes respecting the relative importance of articles and once more the chamber sank into deep quietude whilst the two lamps continued to diffuse a soft and steady light in the centre of the anticamera segreta signor squadra stood waiting black and motionless and on noticing that pierre in his flurry forgot to take his hat from the pier table he himself discreetly fetched it and handed it to the young priest with a silent bow then without any appearance of haste he walked ahead to conduct the visitor back to the sala clementina the endless promenade through the interminable anterooms began once more and there was still not a soul not a sound not a breath in each empty room stood the one solitary lamp burning low amidst a yet deeper silence than before the wilderness seemed also to have grown larger as the night advanced casting its gloom over the few articles of furniture scattered under the lofty gilded ceilings the thrones the stools the pier tables the crucifixes and the candelabra which recurred in each succeeding room and at last the sala clementina which the swiss guards had just quitted was reached again and signor squadra who hitherto had not turned his head thereupon drew aside without word or gesture and saluting pierre with a last bow allowed him to pass on then he himself disappeared and pierre descended the two flights of the monumental staircase where the gas jets in their globes of ground glass glimmered like night-lights amidst a wondrously heavy silence now that the footsteps of the sentries no longer resounded on the landings and he crossed the court of saint damasus empty and lifeless in the pale light of the lamps above the steps and descended the scala pia that other great stairway as dim deserted and void of life as all the rest and at last passed beyond the bronze door which a porter slowly shut behind him and with what a rumble what a fierce roar did the hard metal close upon all that was within all the accumulated darkness and silence the dead motionless centuries perpetuated by tradition the indestructible idols the dogmas 
bound round for preservation like mummies every chain which may weigh on one or hamper one the whole apparatus of bondage and sovereign domination with whose formidable clang all the dark deserted halls re-echoed once more the young man found himself alone on the gloomy expanse of the piazza of st peter's not a single belated pedestrian was to be seen there was only the lofty livid ghost-like obelisk emerging between its four candelabra from the mosaic pavement of red and serpentine porphyry the facade of the basilica also showed vaguely pale as a vision whilst from it on either side like a pair of giant arms stretched the quadruple colonnade a thicket of stone steeped in obscurity the dome was but a huge roundness scarcely discernible against the moonless sky and only the jets of the fountains which could at last be detected rising like slim phantoms ever on the move lent a voice to the silence the endless murmur of a plaintive sorrow coming one knew not whence ah how great was the melancholy grandeur of that slumber that famous square the vatican and st peter's thus seen by night when wrapped in silence and darkness but suddenly the clock struck ten with so slow and loud a chime that never so it seemed had more solemn and decisive an hour rung out amidst blacker and more unfathomable gloom all pierre's poor weary frame quivered at the sound as he stood motionless in the centre of the expanse what had he spent barely three-quarters of an hour chatting up yonder with that white old man who had just wrenched all his soul away from him yes it was the final wrench his last belief had been torn from his bleeding heart and brain the supreme experiment had been made a world had collapsed within him and all at once he thought of monsignor nani and reflected that he alone had been right he pierre had been told that in any case he would end by doing what monsignor nani might desire and he was now stupefied to find that he had done so but sudden despair seized upon him such atrocious distress of spirit that from the depths of the abyss of darkness where he stood he raised his quivering arms into space and spoke aloud no no thou art not here o god of life and love o god of salvation but come appear since thy children are perishing because they know neither who thou art nor where to find thee amidst the infinite of the worlds above the vast square spread the vast sky of dark blue velvet the silent disturbing infinite where the constellations palpitated over the roofs of the vatican charles's wain seemed yet more tilted its golden wheels straying from the right path its golden shaft upreared in the air whilst yonder over rome towards the via giulia orion was about to disappear and already showed but one of the three golden stars which bedecked his belt End of section 28